0: What's up? It's Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood podcast presented by Coors Light. Stay inside and buy your Coors Light online. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, take time to chill. Live from the first Midwest Bank Studio on State Street.
1: This is ESPN One Thousand, Chicago's home for sports. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Jonathan Hood, WMVP Chicago. The summer of football. All you can ask for is another opportunity to play this game. It burns in me. On ESPN One Thousand. We don't know how many we got. I don't know how many I
2: got. Make it, Cowboys. Mahomes flushed out again. Turning the corner. Five downfield.
1: Caught. Touchdown. Only Mahomes. You throw to score. You run to win. Here's Saquon Barkley. And it is off to the races. The 30, the 20. Saquon for six. The summer of football at eight. Here's a quick throw to Miller. Good throw. Touchdown. Baked to Armstrong. Run. Book five. Got time. Launching for the end zone. Jump ball. Touchdown, Terrence Marshall. The Summer of Football with Jonathan Hood. Yeah, that's my dog. On Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app.
0: It is a summer of football with Jonathan Hood on ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN Chicago app. So glad that you're with us. Of course, every night at eight o'clock we give you something football as we get close to the season. Jeff Chadia from the NFL Network and also the senior columnist from NFL. dot com joins us tonight here on ESPN One Thousand. Jeff, as always, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show.
3: It's all good, man. Always happy to do it.
0: Uh I want to start with um a, an area in which you covered for a while in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. He inks this big deal and now he is uh, a part owner of the Kansas City Royals. What does that what does that mean to that area of the country in Kansas City that he's woven within the fabric of that city now?
3: Well, it's huge. I mean, and it's not just the fact that he um the size of the contract or the ownership or the partnership with the uh with the Royals, but just the fact that the way the contract's structured, you know, that he was willing to take less than market value. And, uh, you know, the, the numbers sound big, but ultimately it allows the, the Chiefs a lot more salary cap flexibility over the next couple of years to, to keep a lot of their key pieces in place and compete for championships. And it, it really does speak to the love affair between him and this organization, this city that's been happening over the last, last three years. I mean, he is very he's very sincere when he says he cares a lot about Kansas City because this contract bears that
0: out so you'll be a mover and shaker and get the royals on, on in, the, in the right direction because <laughs> yeah. I, mean, that, that's, I mean i know he's got those baseball ties his dad was a, a fine pitcher in major league baseball so he knows something about the sport but now with him having some ownership hopefully he'll have some sway
3: well if he can pull the royals out of their funk you know granted they won the world series five years ago but if you can turn around a team that's lost 100 games the last three years you know what, man? It's like he's already a God here. It's like it's hard to believe that he could go for whatever is bigger than a God. I don't know if there is something, but it would be Patrick Mahomes if he made that happen.
0: We haven't had a two-way player in a while, man. I, I, <laughs> what, what, what if, right? What if? I mean, yeah. I, and, and think about this, Jeff, just from this standpoint. Imagine Dion Sanders or even Brian Jordan, um, two-way players playing in this era of social media. How crazy it would oh. be to have that, an athlete of that ilk doing this in the social media era? It would be crazy.
3: Oh, well, you're in Chicago, so you remember, you know, you saw Bo Jackson at the end of his run. But, but I remember back, um, you know, when he was in Kansas City and playing for the Raiders. And it was just the things that we've seen now of what players can do. I still think he's one of the most amazing athletes I've ever watched because he was such a huge phenomenon. A phenomenon in, in, in two sports but you're right it's like it, it, those guys are so over the top in terms of twitter following instagram following it's just it would be amazing to see what would happen it's
0: crazy uh summer of football with jeff chadilla from the nfl network with jonathan hood on espn 1000 and the espn chicago app so we know that COVID 19 is a story for all sports including the nfl that's coming around the corner and now we're getting a litany of players Jeff, that are saying that I'm going to opt out for the 2020 season. Just from the names you saw from from Goldman for the Bears and a number of players from the Patriots, how much did that surprise you when you saw that uh, come across today?
3: You know, I, I wasn't surprised because I, I had talked to some people earlier in the week who asked me a similar question about what's going to happen, how many guys you think are going to go. And I said, look, we just don't know what these guys' medical backgrounds are like. We don't know what makes them more vulnerable. We don't know about their family situations, like who's in their homes. And, and, and I think it's just, you know, for a lot of reasons, obviously it's just it's the law. We don't know the, the, the what's happening in their in their personal lives. So to see the names opt out, I, I wasn't surprised. I mean, I live in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Laurent D. 1A the chief starting guard, he opted out because he's working in Canada doing it as, a, as an orderly, working with COVID-19 patients. Donta Hightower talked about how his mom's got diabetes. His, his, his fiance just had a kid, so uh, I think Eddie Goldman mentioned I think he, he's a high-risk guy, or he's got some weight stuff that's a, a part of this. So, you know, it's it's not – I think all these guys have to make tough decisions, but ultimately it, it goes back to how serious this is and that people like just think this is all about – getting their entertainment back or these guys just want their greedy and want their money this is real stuff some guys are putting their life on the line by being out there
0: yeah so so now the conversation goes and this is where major league baseball is going through right now the first weekend of the season as you know just you know you have the miami marlins with half their roster and a couple of coaches dealing with COVID 19 that's exactly what baseball did not want so You know what I've been saying is is that baseball should have considered three sites for bubbles, similar to what we see the NBA and the National Hockey League. And so with the NFL, I need to know what the plan is, Jeff. Like, what what is what is their plan? I just can't see players cross country, you know, um, going crisscross across our country, going to games like it's normal.
3: Well, that's the thing. I think you're right. Ethically right. When you talk about the NBA, you're talking about a sport with a very small amount of players. That is easily can be easily fit within a bubble type environment baseball had the potential to do that and chose not to, but with football, not only are you talking about the travel and the content that's involved in the sport, the amount of, you know, the amount of space that isn't there because of huddling and sidelines and all that stuff. But you're also talking about 27 year old men with millions of dollars who once they get done playing the game on Sunday, have a full week to go home to their families, their girlfriends, their kids, their side pieces, everybody else mm-hmm. is in there <laughs> sending <it> <laughs> family. A lot of people out there are going to be doing whatever they want to do. We're gonna be around these guys too. And so yeah, that's where I get skeptical because it's hard to think that guys that young with that kind of money who are used to do what they want to do are going to be able to just stay, you know, stay put, stay responsible and do all the right things for six straight days before they go back on the field.
0: See, I, I always look at the "quote unquote" king of sports, the NFL, to be the leader in all of this. I just can't, I can't yeah. believe like the leadership in the National Hockey League has this right, and the NFL doesn't. Like, I, how does that happen? Like, the NHL is a dumpster fire from from everything <laughs> from a, from a from a network standpoint, from how they run the league to anonymous uh, how anonymous their players are. The NFL is supposed to be the leader in all this. Like, if I look for them, Jeff, to have. Leadership for all the sports to uh, really show the way of how to do this, and I, I, I don't see how the how is there not a bubble plan in place?
3: Yeah, well, again, yeah, I think it goes back to what I think: just being able to hold a football game is such a huge event that it's any kind of bubble you'd be talking about. God, I, I, you'd have to have probably maybe like 10 stadiums within a certain radius to be able to even think about doing that. So I guess the the, the Northeast Corridor there with like the, the Redskins, the, the Patriots, the Giants, the Jets, you could probably do it in that vicinity. But beyond that, it'd be hard to pull off. So one, I think just having the venues to make a bubble work would be hard. But, but I think a lot of what the NFL's been trying to do is listen and learn from other leagues. And what you're seeing is basically all these leagues are in the same boat, which is that they they want to start they want to play. They want to get guys out there. Then they want to, They didn't want to pray and hope that things work out. That's the thing that I wish I was seeing more of, which is basically the acknowledgement of at some point there is going to be um, a situation where you're going to have a certain amount of players who are testing positive. And what does that mean for a team? For a week of football? For two weeks of football? For a playoff game? For a Super Bowl? Because what happened in baseball it, that 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 opens up people's eyes, right? there. That's reality. You could have a, a situation where you've got seventeen guys on one team down, and if that's a football team, that's a third of your roster gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what happens if that happens in a, an AFC divisional playoff game? You know, mm-hmm. just,
0: what do you do? I mean, these are, to me, front burner questions for Commissioner Goodell and the NFL. As we talked to Jeff Chadia from the NFL Network and NFL.com with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. And the other thing is that we've talked about already earlier this summer, Jeff, on the shows is... I understand the pageantry of college football, and especially in the South, uh, the Big 12, the SEC, the ACC, it's all over the country, but primarily in the South, they love their college football. This is what they... They live for um, in the fall and into bowl season, and there's a, a really strong possibility, even though those three conferences are holding out I don't know if they're holding out for the think that they could be able to, to shoehorn some fans into some of those stadiums. well, same thing with the NFL uh, what does what does the NFL look like in 2020 without fans? well
3: it's going to be weird I mean end of the day, and I know that you know some some teams have tried to say look we're going to have. What stadium thirty percent full or twenty percent full whatever it is I, I imagine the way this is going around the country that it's it's very possible that all teams may have no fans by the time you get to november december mm-hmm. um and what you have to hope is that you know that the players are able to deal with it and you know play with, without that kind- of, that energy that comes from it I, again being in Kansas City um no less like in places like Seattle or Pittsburgh or Buffalo, you know wherever you want to talk about fans being super crazy and super loyal that without that you know that twelfth man experience it's going to be different you you do lose a bit of an advantage, but I also feel like that's the world we're living in today and, and you talk about the n f l like college football's in a whole different space as far as I'm concerned because i I don't know how they could even be talking about being out there when you are talking about some schools not even have students on campus, which is a whole different conversation. <laughs>
0: You can't tell some of those teams in the south that we won't have a college football season now.
3: <laughs> you can't tell them that
0: now. I mean, you That's put that right. in their veins. You can't do that, Jeff. Like like it, the Big yeah. 10, the Big 10 and Pac-12 did the right thing by saying, "Okay, we're going to have try to have college football, but it just be conference only so the travel won't be great." Yeah. Of course, there's a snag in that as well, too for the Big 10, right? You extended yeah. your Big 10 conference out to New Jersey for Rutgers yeah. and Penn State, so it's not the it's not over the flyover states, right? It's not it's not just yeah. primarily in the Midwest. The Big Ten extends yeah. through two two time zones, so it's just kind of funny that yeah. they say it's just going to be in conference only, but there's going teams will would have to travel to New Jersey or to Happy Valley at some point.
3: Yeah, no, no question. Yeah, yeah, your conference literally is like a power five. It's, it's, it's a power five within the power five. You got like 14 teams already, so you know, <laughs> it's not to make that move and still make money off of it. But, you know, I think once the Big Ten made that move and the Pac-12 made their move, you kind of knew that things were beginning to spiral. Like they, nobody was in this together. Like everybody's doing their own thing. And, and I agree. Like I do think the SEC is holding out hope. But the less you hear people talk about it, the more likely it is that it, there's going to be um, some issues come the fall.
0: I'm going to need 2,000 words for you on the Chicago Bears, please. I'm going to need that right away so I can dissect that <laughs> in the next couple of weeks. Um, because, yeah. I mean, you know why? Because there's others that are writing stories about about the Bears in regard to the quarterback situation. Like, Sandow always has his quarterback tears piece, and he's – you know, it has Trubisky ranked 32nd out of all the top quarterbacks in the NFL, and Rick Foles at 26. Uh, others are looking at the Bears in three years, saying that they're going to be the 31st best franchise in the NFL. And that's look. If I want to live in Jacksonville, I'd find a palm tree to sit under. Like, I'm not trying to cover the Jaguars in Chicago because that's cl- clearly what it will be. Yeah. It's it's not looking good, Jeff. Could you uh, when you uh, when someone says Chicago Bears, what's the first thing that comes to mind?
3: Oh. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that that could have been the game changer right there. And so, if you're uh, if you're Ryan Pace, yeah, this is this is probably your last great hope that you're you're basically throwing in all your all your money behind Nick Foles or Mr. Trubisky to to save your job. Because yeah, there there is uh, no doubt that had they chosen uh, a different quarterback, um, the second overall pick back in 2017 they'd be in a different place right now. Um, probably wouldn't have to give up two first rounds. The first, oh, was it three or two for Khalil Mack? The it three or two? I can't remember now. For Khalil uh, Mack to trade.
0: For, for here? Uh, this will yeah. be his third
3: year? No, I mean, how many first-round picks they give up for him? Was it, was oh, it two? The,
0: I think it was a couple,
3: yeah. Yeah, it was a couple. So, yeah. um, you know, you, you that trade would be different. The franchise would be different. And But that's the thing. It's like you... They're not going in the right direction for sure. I don't see how Nick Foles is going to, even if he does play better than Mitch Trubisky, which is probably very likely that he's going to change the fortune of the franchise. And let's face it, the NFC is, is very strong right now. And if, if you can't get your corporate situation figured out, you're looking at up and down the conference with a lot of high end quarterback with Tom Brady, just joining that group. Um, you know, it's it's not looking pretty for that franchise down the road for the next five years. Yeah, the
0: Bears traded two first-round picks, a third-round pick, yeah. and a sixth-round pick to the Raiders for that, yeah.
3: And, and, yeah. and
0: and still to be determined who who's one who's going to win that trade. Actually,
3: yeah. Well, right now the Raiders have to feel pretty good about it, given how the year went for the Bears last year, and given what what they what they've turned that into on paper. They got some pretty good players, pretty good good young players coming in.
0: I'll ask you this. I want to pick your brain on something regarding evaluation of players because you've been in those circles where someone tells you on or off the record how much they really appreciate a player or believe that this is a difference-making player. What is usually the process in that, Jeffrey? Because there's always scouts involved. Of course, the head coach has a say. The GM has a say. What is usually the protocol to be able to determine, especially quality draft picks, whether or not that player is going to be special or not?
3: Well, uh, just being around different organizations and uh, be honest with you, a lot of it comes down to one, how well the GM and the coach interact. Uh, Two comes down to how much success and credibility and job security those two men have. And then three comes down to just how much they trust their scouts and how much they believe in, you know, humbling themselves and not letting ego get in the way Um, because I look at what Pete Carroll did in in Seattle early on when he came in for USC. And after being in a couple other places in the NFL and being at USC, he had an idea, a vision about what he wanted to have as far as a team, how he wanted to build a team. And he had an owner who gave him a GM who wanted to help him do that. And so he had a certain idea about what kind of player he wanted to get. Didn't care if he got that player in the first round or the third round or the fifth round. Um, You know, he wanted speed on defense. He wanted length on defense. Uh, He found a quarterback in Russell Wilson that, you know, could, could, it into a, a running game at a time when the league was going more and more to the pass, so I think that's a big factor, just knowing what you want and knowing the system you want and believing in uh, how you want to put it together and well, unfortunately a lot of times you see teams that get caught up in you know, trying to, make, trying to keep their jobs you know, getting too caught up in highlights where a player played or who he played for and all that other stuff and ultimately it comes down to as Jimmy Johnson was, is the guy a playmaker or not if he
0: is, then you draft it, yeah, I think that that makes sense uh, sometimes you just you don't want to out-dumb the room, you just go with your gut. There's some numbers that are always involved in that, but it's all because you know that trubisky thing that is going to be on the uh that is going to be the end for Ryan Pace at some point. When you look at that draft and say Deshaun uh-huh. Watson, Patrick Mahomes, or Mitch Trubisky, you tried to outdumb the room by having Trubisky in there. I, I actually saw several of his starts at North Carolina, Jeff, and you just got like, okay, there's athleticism there, but he's not more dynamic than those other two kids. But yeah, this is the, it's, the, it's the choices you make, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's ultimately he saw something in Mitch Trubisky that. Obviously, is going to be the end of his reign as the GM for Bears because it wasn't enough. and You know, God help him. But yeah, yeah I think there's no question that Mr. Bisky has already killed his, his 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 job as the GM there, it's just no matter where it happens. Wow.
0: Well, I'm glad you spent some time with me. I just wanted to get your thoughts on some of these storylines, especially uh, regarding uh, COVID 19 in the NFL. This will be interesting here this summer and how the NFL will address it.
3: Yeah, man. Uh, always, always fun to do it, man. It's gonna be, it's gonna be the wildest year the NFL has ever seen in our lifetime, at least.
0: Jeffrey Chadilla from the NFL Network and also senior columnist for NFL.com with us on the summer of football, right here on Chicago's home for sports, ESPN One Thousand. This is Under the Hood
1: with Jonathan Hood on ESPN One Thousand, Chicago's home for sports.
0: You're listening to Under the Hood.
1: Get the ESPN Chicago app for podcasts and the live stream from anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Download in the app store today. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for
0: sports. We've got Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday coming up at 830 right here on ESPN 1000 and ESPN Chicago app. And I'll tell you what. If you're a wrestling fan, tell them to come to their listening device and check out ESPN 1000, because every Tuesday I give you the best in pro wrestling slash sports entertainment conversation. I don't know. I don't know if we will continue Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday on ESPN 1000. I'm, I'm at a crossroads with it because of what is not happening in wrestling. I'll talk about that coming up next in our Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday segment, as we do every Tuesday for you, the wrestling fan, you, the sports entertainment fan, right here on ESPN One Thousand. You know what is compelling, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback for the uh, Green Bay Packers. You never know what Aaron is going to say. Sometimes it's it's a sly comment. Sometimes he speaks through the media. To be able to get what he wants, or to get close to what he wants, which listen very closely to Aaron Rodgers, and we'll t- uh, talk about it on the other side. It's my first time also hearing from Aaron Rodgers about this Packers team and the offense. Listen,
3: when you're sitting around just over the last few months, scotch, tequila, whatever. At some point, there's like a ridiculous decision that has to be made because if you're just you and you can stay healthy. The team has to either choose about, we're going to move on from Aaron Rodgers, which is sounds nuts, or we're just not going to play our first round draft pick. H- how does this end?
2: I think probably the first, the former. Um, I think that's probably what happens, uh, you know, based on, you know, just the circumstances around everything, you know, you look at, uh, just look at the facts, you know, they traded up, they drafted them. I would say they, they like them. They, they want to play them um it's a different uh different environment you know in 2005 my first year were four and 12 second year were eight and eight um there wasn't a clamoring you know to to play me because it was normal for young guys to sit you know in the third year 07 we go 13 and three where you know one play we're overtime in the nfc championship playing at home against the giants from going to the super bowl different scenario you know now i think uh quarterbacks are playing earlier it, it gives you know give some latitude for young coaches and GMs to, you know, to, to play their to play their guys. And I get it. I really do. Like I, I don't harbor any ill will about it. Like was I bummed out? Of course, it mm-hmm. wouldn't be, mm-hmm. you know, like I wanted to play my entire career in green Bay. I love the city. I grew up there really. I was, got there, I was 21. I'm 36 now know a lot changes during that time. Um, but, but look, I get it. I see it completely clearly and and I'm not bitter about it. Um, It just kind of is what it is.
3: Last question, then we'll move on. The idea that you've conceded, you know, maybe I don't end up with the same team. When you're late at night in the summer and you're sitting out on your back deck or you're lying in bed and it's just been a long night and you're you alone with your thoughts and you're picturing yourself with another team. How do you look in a Bears uniform? (laughs)
2: Oh man, that's that's a tough start right there, man.
0: <laughs> Thoughts there from Aaron Rodgers. Well, here's what you like about that. It's the first time I've heard this from Aaron Rodgers and him really going through and talking about what his future could hold in Green Bay. He understands that there is a quarterback that was drafted in Jordan Love that is ready to go, that wants to play. But there is a Hall of Famer that's in Jordan's way. And it's great that Aaron Rodgers can look in the mirror and say, you know, as much as I want to finish my career here with Green Bay, it looks like it's not going to be in the cards. I'm sure Brett Favre felt the same way felt that he could finish his career in Green Bay. You see that he did not. He was a Viking, and he was retiring, coming back, retiring. He wasn't He didn't want to leave the game. Well, for Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is still a Tier 1 top quarterback in this league at age 36. He still is. If you're a Bears fan, you do realize that he's the best quarterback that we have seen in 20 years to play in Soldier Field. Not even a Bear, just Aaron Rodgers. You know that. Aaron Rodgers is the hammer, the Bears are the nail. And no matter how many years we go through this, Aaron Rodgers will always try to find a way to win because he's just that good. He's just that clutch. But the resume for Aaron Rodgers is built primarily on the NFC North. Some teams in the NFC, but definitely the Bears and the Lions and the Vikings. When it comes to the big games, especially in the playoffs, or against teams that are more talented than the Packers in the the uh, NFC, boy, it's it's like night and day. Did you watch the Packers against the 49ers? Did you watch them twice against the 49ers? They weren't even in the ballpark. It looked like two different offenses. What was being run by Garoppolo and Shanahan versus what Rodgers was doing was just totally two different things. The defense for the Packers was terrible. The offensive line was terrible. When you hit the Packers in the mouth, it looks like those games against Green Bay. Bad. It's really bad. So, you know it's inevitable that there's going to be change. A veteran quarterback, a Hall of Famer like that, Oh yeah, you know it's going to happen. question is, is that, is Green Bay ready for it to happen? I mean, Rodgers is good, and he's always going to give you at least 9, 10, 11 wins to get you in the playoffs, but there is a ceiling to that success. I just, uh, I like that Rodgers sees it. And that he is not turning a blind eye to the guy breathing down his neck. Just because the Packers drafted that quarterback doesn't necessarily mean that he's the guy. But I find it fascinating that Rodgers, with uh, just kind of thinking inward and saying, yeah, you know what, I understand why they drafted him. Because they got to think about the future. Because the present has a limit on it. With Rodgers, at quarterback, with LaFleur as the head coach. And with the offensive line that the Packers have, Rodgers, all he's he's ever wanted was playmakers to go along with his talent, and the Packers have not done the job for him. They've done it to an extent, but not to the point where Rodgers can overcome and get to the Super Bowl, look even like San Francisco last year. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday comes your way next right here on ESPN 1000.
1: This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Wrestling fans, are you ready? This is Tuesday. You people bought a ticket to see me, so shut up. Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood.
2: First of all, Dusty Rhodes, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class, redneck goose. That's what I think you are.
1: Yeah, I put it. I know I put it. But I'm most of all the baddest man around in the world today. Follow the show at Wrestling TWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way. And all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is, in all my magnificent, you're going to be mine. Oh, night
0: nice. oh. long. Here's Jonathan Hood. What's up and welcome in to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Every Tuesday at 830 we give you something for sports entertainment and pro wrestling. And don't forget, you can follow along on Twitter at WrestlingTWT. Again, it's WrestlingTWT as well as on Instagram at WrestlingTWT as well. And if you go to the ESPN Chicago app and click Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, you can get the archives of a lot of the great interviews and conversations we've had regarding pro-wrestling. This month, we talked to Dave LaGreca, and we'll talk about Dave in a moment. Dave LaGreca from Busted Open on SiriusXM. Great conversation with my buddy from New Jersey. Also, Chris Zellner, my buddy from Atlanta, Georgia. From the Between the Sheets podcast, the Pay Window podcast. We talked about uh, Pro Wrestling from nineteen eighty nine. He's got a new podcast out called the Paywindow. Um Josh Lopez from Pro Wrestling dot com was with us as well. We talked about Impact Wrestling, the WWE and more. Also, a couple of other additions to the podcast. I was on Busted Open on Series XM with Ryan McKinnell uh, a week ago today, and we got a chance to talk about the big show and whether that the big show is someone that is uh, he has seen his last match when he took on Randy Orton just recently. So we talked about a lot of different things. It's all part of the archives. If you just click a, on the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday tab, you can get a chance to hear a lot of my previous episodes. Well, this one will be guest free because there's some things I want to talk about here regarding the state of pro wrestling in July of 2020. As you well know, as a sports fan or a sports entertainment fan, that whether it's the UFC whether it's Major League Baseball, the NBA, National Hockey League, these sports do not have fans because we're not allowed to be in stadiums. We're not allowed to be there because of COVID-19. And the same goes for the WWE and also All Elite Wrestling, in which the WWE has been at their performance center in Orlando, Florida, The usually the place where young wrestlers get a chance to work out, work out the kinks in their game before they're allowed on television for NXT or the WWE brand. And so all these big events from raw, the SmackDown to NXT to any pay-per-view that they have, it's all taking place at one place at the performance center in Orlando, Florida. And for all elite wrestling, they're at Daly's place adjacent to the Jaguar stadium in Jacksonville, Florida. So both organizations are running, but both organizations are struggling when it comes to ratings. And you would think in a pandemic with record unemployment that's happening in this country where there's so many people that have free time in the evenings and definitely during the daytime that anything that even is reminiscent of sports like professional wrestling would do well. And it just has not just hasn't Uh, the WWE has not been able to get the numbers that they want on Fox on Friday's. Also, on Mondays with USA Network and on Wednesdays with NXT, they're struggling to get to 800,000 people watching live on Wednesday nights between 7 and 9 p.m. The and Also, AEW, the same struggles where they are winning the night over the, the NXT brand, but it's not... Anything like the Monday Night Wars from years past, where it is fours against threes or high fives against fours, as far as the ratings are concerned, because there's just not enough interest. It makes me wonder about this show, too. Like, I, I enjoy providing this radio show and podcast. And the reason why that I continue to do it is because this show reminds some that listened to me from years and years ago when I was doing WrestleManiacs with Lawrence Holmes, and we would do wrestling shows after the Monday night shows. When Nitro and Raw were over at 10 o'clock, we did a wrestling show between 10 and midnight after every Monday night program, after Nitro and Raw, and it did very, very well. And so the reason why I continue to provide this Format, this professional wrestling format is because it's unique. Nobody else is doing a professional wrestling show on sports radio. WrestleManiacs, the show that Lawrence and I did, was the first professional wrestling show on a sports uh, format on sports radio uh, in Chicago. And so I just keep it going. Doing Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Because I know that there are wrestling fans. There's plenty of them. But just not a ton that are watching. Definitely during this time of COVID-19. And it makes me wonder whether or not I should just continue doing this show. Or just have this as a podcast. And and here's why. Because every time that I'm watching wrestling lately. uh, Especially this year. The WWE is struggling creatively to be able to put together a solid three-hour show on Mondays and definitely a two-hour show on Fridays. Fox is not getting what they're looking for 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 SmackDown. As much as I like the wrestlers and like some of the wrestling, it's just not compelling because the formula has been the same since, I'd say, 2005. I can't do a radio show the same way I did in 2005. Uh, I can't be able to approach a radio show and present the facts and the topics and the comedy and the compelling and try to mix that together and do the same thing I did in 2005. But somehow for Vince McMahon and the WWE, they're doing the same things, very similar to what they did in years past. The veterans, like Randy Orton, are going to be at the top of the card. We found out on Raw this past Monday that Randy Orton, who is on fire right now, no question, is in the title picture as he'll take on the current champion, Drew McIntyre. And that matchup is slated for SummerSlam. Cool. Randy Orton's been in the company for a long time. And there's about 150 wrestlers or more in that company That would love to be able to be in Randy Orton's spot to win at SummerSlam. Because more than likely that's going to happen. Drew McIntyre has been the WWE Champion since WrestleMania. In a really solid matchup for him against Brock Lesnar. It was about time for uh, Drew McIntyre to be recognized. Because he's doing well as the WWE Champion. Now here's the thing. There's no crowd... So you can't measure crowd reaction. I guess you can um, kind of measure TV ratings. And if you measure TV ratings, uh, nobody's doing well, including the WWE champion. But I like McIntyre as a champion. and And I like Randy Orton now more than I ever have in his career, going back to when he was a rookie. His early years, really enjoyed it. But that middle has been boring to watch. Five moves, nothing really special. Here's my point. If... Wrestling is just going to be the same as it was 15 years ago. Then what is the point of me investing time in it or you investing time in it? As we talk about this on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. What is the point of it? Randy Orton more than likely is going to win the championship. So that way it sets up some kind of matchup against Edge. Edge is out because of an injury and Edge is a guy that had retired from wrestling because of an injury for nine years, and now he'll be back in the title picture. But I've seen these wrestlers wrestle before. See, the thing that makes sports evolve, and I'm going to juxtapose what we see from sports entertainment, pro wrestling, scripted programming, to real sports. What I'm saying is, is that when you are watching the NFL, and you have a favorite team in the NFL, whether it's the Bears, Packers, Lions, Vikings, who, you know, Raiders, whoever you root for, right? Well, you expect for an organization or a team to evolve. Could you imagine ha- having a team you root for in the NFL and that team has the same players for the last 10 to 12 years? The core players are on the field for the last 10 or 12 years. You would say, boy, this is getting old. Man, how come this team can't compete? You have a baseball team that is a team that won the World Series, but they kept the core for another decade and a half. Well, as you see the erosion of the team, you'd wonder how come ownership doesn't change some of those players and get younger and get better and get back on top. It's something I talk about on the sports shows all the time here on under the hood, I talk about all the time, like you've got to be able to evolve. And so uh, compare wrestling to real sports, right? We're talking about sport we're in the sports entertainment space right now, but think of it in, in those terms. How is it that you're not getting anything fresh at the top of the card? Something that you want to be able to see. Randy Orton's gonna win the championship. I've seen that what twelve other times. Uh I just it's just very odd. The other thing too is that I have to get a point out is something that happened on Raw last night. Okay, so Asuka and Sasha Banks are wrestling for the Raw Women's Championship. And so the stipulations in this match is that uh, if you are counted out or disqualified, you the title can change hands. It, whoever goes through that matchup, if there's a disqualification or a out or whatever happens, um, there will be a champion that will be awarded. And is the champion. Sasha's the challenger. So, Kari Sane is the is the partner of Asuka. Kari Sane is in the back, and and yeah, Sasha Banks is vying for this championship, and her tag team partner is Bayley. The match is really good. It's really good. It's Sasha Banks, and it's Asuka. Of course it's going to be a good match. We talk about the youth movement in that company. That's one of the best things about the company, the women's division. So the point is, is that they have a really good match. And all of a sudden the big screen in the back at the performance center comes on for everyone to see on television. And there is Bailey putting a beatdown on Kari Sane. Now Asuka is in the ring seeing this as she's wrestling Sasha Banks. She's torn. Does she go help her friend and tag team partner Kari Sane in the back from that beatdown, Or does she continue to wrestle and stay focused to try to win the championship? So Asuka's got this w- very weird look on her face, like, oh, my God, I'm seeing this on the screen. While I wrestle, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And what happens is Asuka leaves the ring and runs to the back to try to help her friend, Carrie Sane, because she's getting beat down by Bailey. The referee counts 10, and there's a new champion, Sasha Banks. So she chose to help her friend versus continuing to key- stay focused and wrestle for the championship. Now, that's a dumb finish. It's dumb. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's her tag team partner, but she should be able to get up and fight on her own. If she's not, she's not. But it's not going to distract me from trying to win this championship and keep this championship. And so Sasha Banks wins. Terrible finish, really good match. And once again, the WWE wonders why it has some of the lowest ratings uh, in Raw history. Raw's been on for a long time, since the early 90s. And so... Even though the match was good, the finish was terrible. Now, here's something that you want to point out. Like, When you're watching shows, like I like Ray Donovan, for instance. I like Ray Donovan. I, I enjoyed that show when it was on. I think it's going to be canceled here pretty soon or it's already done. So I like Ray Donovan. There's certain shows that I like. I like Better Call Saul. There's certain TV shows that I like to watch. I like to watch certain shows on Netflix on uh, some of the cable channels as well. Those are just a couple of examples. Well, uh, while I'm watching these TV shows, what I want to do is be able to be in the moment to be able to feel like I'm there watching the shows, not worried about outside distractions. The phone's down. I'm totally watching what's going on on television. Billions, another great show that I really enjoy watching. And so I'm just watching and I'm locked in and focused on what's going on on the show um greenleaf another show i enjoy watching on the own network there's a lot of them that i enjoy uh, watching but the point is is that you're focused on the show and so the thing that i wouldn't want is for one of the characters to reveal what is going on in the show while the show is going on now i understand that it's fiction But yet, you want to be able to feel like you believe when you watch. And the same thing with wrestling. The time-honored tradition of wrestling is that you want to feel like you believe, right? So, as I tell you this story about Kari Sane getting beat down, right? She gets beat down. Her friend, Asuka, loses the championship. They go to commercial. And during the commercial, Kari Sane tweets, Uh, My time in NXT and WWE locker rooms was incredible. Everyone was kind, funny, and talented, so every day was full of happiness. Also, I was saved by the support staff behind the scenes. I will forever love and respect all these professionals I had the pleasure of working with. That's from Kari Sane. This is during the commercial, as we see her writhing in pain already down on the floor got beat down, her friend lost a championship, and she's tweeting as soon as that scene is over. Wait, I thought she was beat down and had to possibly go to the hospital after getting beat down. No, no, she tweets like two minutes after that segment is over. As if it's an actress that says, that takes a bow, one last bow saying, I'm going to New Japan, thanks for all the memories, that was a great scene or whatever. What? What is that? If you are a wrestling fan and you just want to just focus on the show, of course you've got your phone in your hand because you're interacting with people, you're tweeting with uh, people as you, you live tweet the show. But, but, but wait a minute. So we're supposed to believe that she was, is uh, completely beat beat up by Bailey. And then two minutes later, she's, <laughs> she says a tweet out saying, thanks for everything. Everyone was so kind and funny and talented. <laughs> Not an hour after the show, not the next day, two minutes after the segment is over. It was just awful. And so I tweeted at WrestlingTWT. I said, you know, thank God that she's okay. She's tweeting right after the beatdown. Oof, I was worried. And I tweeted at Dave LaGreca, my friend from Busted Open, because he's old school like I am. He said, I said, remember when Dusty Rhodes was beat down at the Crockett offices by the Horsemen? And. They, they broke his arm, and Dusty tweeted about it afterwards with his good hand. Man, that was something. <laughs> like, that actually was a thing. Like, Dusty Rhodes leaves the Jim Crockett offices in Charlotte, and the Four Horsemen, which was the heel group at the time, they all jump on Dusty Rhodes. They all tie his arm to a, a pickup truck or something, and they extend his arm, and they take a baseball bat, and they break it on television. This is in the 80s. But it's not like he tweeted about it afterwards with his good hand. My whole point of that is is that even in wrestling and even in real sports or, or even when we're talking about TV shows, you want to be able to suspend belief, right? Your disbelief. Suspend your disbelief. And the WWE doesn't allow you to do that. That was a major error. So that means that all the hard work that Bailey put in to beat Kari Sane down Also, the work that was done inside the ring with Sasha Banks and Asuka didn't mean anything. Didn't mean a damn thing. As Kari Stane says, oh, you guys are funny and kind and sweet. Well, I thought you were beat down. (laughs) (laughs) And that, my friends, is wrestling in 2020. So even though we know it's a show for pro wrestling, point is, though, is that you want to believe in something that you're watching. You're just like, oh, it's just, it's just fake. Ah, it's just fake. Well, you and I in the back of our minds know that, but at least you want to be able to be in the moment for whatever you're watching on television. It's just amazing, that this, this company. It really is. Really is. Some thoughts about Monday Night Raw on AEW is next right here on Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. Tweet at me at WrestlingTWT.
1: This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Follow on Twitter at TweetJHood.
0: Don't forget to follow along on Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingTWT for you pro wrestling fans. And if you're not a pro wrestling fan, tell someone who is... They're on every Tuesday at 8.30, right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. And if you don't catch it live, check out the podcast of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Uh, Not only on the ESPN Chicago app, but wherever you get your podcast, look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. So, back to Monday Night Raw uh, from Orlando yesterday. Dolph Ziggler took on Drew McIntyre, a non-title extreme rules match. Here's the thing that's really strange about this, right? So Drew McIntyre, the champion, comes out and announces that I'm going to take on Randy Orton at uh, SummerSlam in August, knowing that there is a match with Dolph Ziggler that's going to take place in a few short moments. It's as if the McIntyre-Ziggler match did not mean anything, to the point where you know McIntyre announces he's going to take on Randy Orton because that's a guy that deserves the opportunity for another championship, but the point is is that Dolph Ziggler is the opponent in the main event, and it was just kind of brushed off like, oh yeah, here comes Dolph Ziggler, because you know, if it's Dolph Ziggler, you know he's going to lose. And boy, if you're a Dolph Ziggler fan, it's got to suck for you. This guy here has got so much ability. A guy that is the cross between Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig and the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels. He's got that kind of ability. He doesn't have a bad match. He didn't have a bad match against Drew McIntyre. Uh, whether it was the uh, Extreme Rules pay-per-view or on Raw last night. But he'll just always be under the thumb of Vince McMahon. It's just, it's a weird thing, but it's true. It's weird how Dolph Ziggler just can't seem to get himself in a position to seriously have a run with the championship of the last, what, 10 years or so. Uh, You know, the thing about all of wrestling is that you notice during this time, the men and women that are in the ring, they're working hard. It, it, you can't knock how well that these men and women are working in wrestling. Like Bobby Lashley took on Mustafa Ali. Ali had this the Chicago zone. He's a, a cop and he's from Chicago. Ali um, had a promo and he was just walking up and down the ring trying to memorize the promo that was given to him, nervous almost to the point where he wanted to make sure he nailed every line. It's a weird thing where interviews are not like it used to be back in the day. I I could never do a talk show that's 100% scripted. There was just no way. Like I don't have any notes in front of me uh, outside of who won and who lost last night on uh, Monday Night Raw you know Alis there and he's going back and forth and staring down into the ceiling and staring on the ground and staring up at the ceiling just trying to figure out like oh my god you know am I getting my lines right it's it's a strange thing but he had a matchup against um, Bobby Lashley Lashley's been working really well love that uh, trio with Lashley Shelton Benjamin and MVP that works well for me have no problem with that um, I'm looking at Uh, Andrade and Angel Garza and the Viking Raiders, Ricochet, Cedric Alexander, just a lot of movement. It's not a lot of storytelling, but it's a lot of movement. I tell you what, if you love high flying, there's plenty of that in matches like that. And it just makes it very odd for me, as someone's who been watching wrestling for a long time, where you're looking for a story to be told, and just some matches are just... They're just ripping, running, and they're running for no reason, just running in the middle of matches just to run. It's just it's just strange, but this is, this is where it is. Um, as far as All Elite Wrestling is concerned, All Elite Wrestling continues to win the majority of the, of the nights on Wednesday, but it doesn't look like a lot of you are watching it every Wednesday night, or you're watching it on demand if you're a wrestling fan. Every Wednesday night, it's All Elite Wrestling against NXT, and... Once again, uh, it was All Elite Wrestling winning on TNT. And I never thought I'd see professional wrestling on the Turner uh, Broadcast platform, but it's it's here, and they're doing pretty well. For an audience that likes what All Elite Wrestling does, it's pretty loyal. And they're beating NXT. And it's, it's kind of what I've talked about on previous shows. It's strange because NXT, to me, seems to be sometimes the better show than All Elite Wrestling as far as the in-ring work is concerned. I watch an NXT show, and I'm hardly ever disappointed because of the in-ring work. Um, watching Keith Lee now as the NXT champion, there's going to be some of a tournament for the North American Championship. Uh, it's, it's a really, really solid brand. The thing is, though, is that they are getting the losers... Share of the ratings because there's so much wrestling and not enough gaga, not enough funny, not enough uh, difference in NXT like it is with AEW. And AEW is an acquired taste. There's some things I like and some things I really do not like about that show. Uh, but it tends to skew to a younger audience, and it's certainly doing well with a younger audience, that is for sure. As I mentioned to you before, check out the podcast, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. We've had some terrific guests and great content there. If you have not listened to the show live Tuesday at 830, that's why the archives are there. Wherever you download your podcast, just type in Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. It'll pop up right there on your, in your search engine, and you can be able to pick out whether you want to listen to it on Spotify or Stitcher or on SoundCloud or uh, Google Play. Uh, or uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or however you want to look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, it's there. We've got a long archive of a lot of uh, different uh, wrestling shows and content for you for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. But as I mentioned before at the top, I am not sure about this show moving forward on a weekly basis. I might have to put that out there on a poll question because... There's not enough of the wrestling fan that's actually watching the product. I think that they're interest I think a lot of wrestling fans are interested in the product but not to the point where they're watching every week. The numbers are really weak and if I don't want to be the the guy here talking about wrestling if you're not watching <laughs> you know we've had some interesting guests and some good content here but man it it's uh as much as I like some of the stuff some of the stuff is ugh. And I know it's hard for people to even watch sports without fans because they're always the the we the fan provide the soundtrack and uh, how you know the wrestlers are supposed to react to us as fans and we're not getting that on any of the wrestling shows so you know we'll see. We'll see, but th- the podcast will still continue. We'll see about the r- the uh, radio show moving forward. All right, our thanks to Sean Davis on the other side of the glass, and don't forget, coming up tomorrow another full show starting with the baseball show at six o'clock right here on ESPN One Thousand and under the hood at seven. We've got some terrific guests coming on. Uh, Pedro Gomez will join us to talk some baseball with us uh, uh, tomorrow, as well as a few other guests that we have planned uh, for the show on Wednesday. So we thank you for checking out Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. And don't forget, the baseball show at 6, followed by Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood at 7, right here on Chicago's Home for Sports. This is
1: Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's Home for Sports. You're listening to WMVP.